to listen to a sermon from Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church. As a church, we want to see whole communities captivated by Jesus Christ and living out His freedom. So our first reading is on page 631, it's Proverbs 8, 1 to 36, so that's on 631. Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights along the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gates leading into the city, at the entrances, she cries out, To you, O men, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple gain prudence. You who are foolish gain understanding. Listen, for I have worthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true, for my lips detest wickedness. All the words of my mouth are just. None of them is crooked or perverse. To the discerning, all of them are right. They are faultless to those who have knowledge. Choose my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than the choice gold, for wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have understanding and power. My kings reign and rulers make laws that are just. By my prince govern and all nobles who rule on earth. I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice bestowing wealth on those who love me and making their treasuries full. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was appointed from eternity from the beginning before the world began. When there were no oceans, I was given birth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth." before he made the earth or its fields or any of the dust of the world. I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundary so the waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was the craftsman at his side, I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not ignore it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. But whoever fails to find me harms himself. All who hate me love death. 
Hi, my name's Caitlin. We're going to flip over to Colossians now. That can be found on page 1165. And we're looking at Colossians 1, uh, verses 15 to 20. That's 1,165. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross." Good evening. <clears throat> Good evening again. Today in our series uh, through the book of Proverbs, we come to a crucial passage in the book, uh, a wonderful poem about uh, wisdom, uh, that, that poem we read in chapter 8, uh, which lays the foundation for much of the thinking in Proverbs. It, it explains in a way uh, the deep reasons that all the rest of what Proverbs says makes sense. Uh, So I hope you'll have it open before you. It's on page 631. Uh, But before we get into the text itself, uh, let's begin by having a think about the questions that it speaks into so that we can appreciate a little more the gravity and the significance of what it says. So let me ask you for a moment to think about how you see and understand the world we live in. What kind of a world is it that we live in? And in particular, is it a world that ultimately makes sense? Is there ultimately a logic, a rationality, a a meaning to the universe? Uh, Now, obviously, they are kind of stupidly big questions, uh, but heck, every now and again, uh, you ought to have a go at them, don't you think? It's part of being a human being. So... Let's think about it. Okay, so what are the options to that question of meaning? Well, one option might be to say that the answer to these questions is is no. The world does not actually make sense at all. The universe is, uh, in truth, absurd. That's the answer that Douglas Adams uh, arrived at in The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, if you remember the stories. Uh, The meaning of life, the stories conclude, is 42 The wrong answer to a maths question that was programmed into the earth by accident. I think by dolphins, maybe by mice. Can anyone remember? Mice or dolphins? Mice. You know, the point is, there is at bottom, when you get to the bottom, there is no rationality and no meaning to the universe. There aren't actually, though, many people who think that that answer is actually true. Uh, at least not in a complete sense. And in our time, this is partly because of science. Because of science. In the past couple of hundred years, uh, you see, science, and particularly physics, has been very successful in uncovering 
what we might call order in the universe. Uh, order, um, uh, which to many scientists and laypeople is, is, is actually kind of shockingly beautiful. As science has gone on to discover more and more about the physics of the universe, it has discovered deeper and deeper and more and more complex principles of order of some kind. The universe, it has become clear, is in profound ways deeply rational. It makes sense. At least it begins to make sense. So much so that some physicists hope to discover, eventually, a grand unified theory. That is, a physical explanation for everything that happens in the universe. Some kind of really cool equation. Now, we're in fact a long way off that. Nobody knows what the heck to do with dark matter, of which there is a lot, even here, apparently. I don't know what that means, but there you go. But I'm told there's much, indeed, in some ways now more than ever, that we do not understand. Yet overall, it's hard, don't you think? It's hard not to be impressed. Impressed by the way many aspects of the universe, upon close investigation of the right kind, have turned out to make sense. And that makes it rather difficult, actually, to believe that there is no meaningfulness in the universe at all. Even if the universe is an accident somehow, it is a remarkably beautiful and and coherent accident. Okay, but that is still very, really a very long way from saying that the universe has meaning in the sense that we normally use the word. I mean, it's one thing to say that there is a physical rationality to the universe that it is driven by physical laws of some sort but it's quite another thing to say to to say that and to say more than that and to start to make claims about meaning in a fuller and richer sense Uh, to speak of things like the meaning and purpose of human life that's a different order of thing and in fact the reigning scientific consensus is that order certainly does not extend beyond the material. The only laws the universe has are physical and material laws. Things like mind and meaning and value, they're not, they're not real in any way. Morally speaking, the universe is and, and can only be neutral. Uh, moral laws and, and concepts like goodness and beauty They're not real in the way that the laws of physics are real. They're only kind of byproducts of evolution or human creations, ways that we have decided to conceive of things. At bottom, the universe has, as Richard Dawkins famously put it, no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. The problem of that, of course, is that it just seems so wrong. It just seems so false to the way all of us, Richard Dawkins probably included, actually experience life. It takes a very hard-nosed materialist to actually live as if there is no meaning or goodness in the world and in human life. It's impossible to be a good friend or a good mother or a good citizen for that matter if you actually live like that. And so because of this, many, many people, including many, many non-Christian people, uh, they feel that that way of seeing things cannot be right. To give you one 
slightly nerdy but significant example, the American philosopher Thomas Nagel, uh, who is himself certainly not a Christian, he's an opponent of theism, um, but he has argued that the naturalistic approach is almost certainly wrong. The book's called Mind and Cosmos, if you're interested. Uh, he says because it, 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 it cannot adequately account for the reality of consciousness and reason and value. It is, the naturalistic pro- approach is, he suggests, a heroic triumph, quote, of ideological theory over common sense. He concludes that it is far more reasonable to say that the universe is governed by deeper principles than the merely physical. But how do we know? That might be a nice thought. It is much nicer than the kind of nothing but material reality. But how do we know? That might fit better with how we feel about the world. But is it true? Can we really be confident that the order of the universe goes beyond merely some laws of physics and that goodness and meaning and purpose are real and important like we feel they are. Can we we really be confident of that? Or should we just bite the bullet and start to work out how to live and die within a universe of blind, pitiless indifference? Well, it's to these questions that Proverbs chapter 8 speaks and speaks powerfully. Proverbs chapter 8 declares decisively that the world we live in is deeply and richly ordered and meaningful because it was created in wisdom. Let's read it together from verse 1. It begins with a picture of wisdom calling out to people to listen. Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights, along the way, where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gates leading into the city, at the entrances, she cries aloud in all the public places. To you, O men, that is to people, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, gain understanding. In this chapter, we hear again the voice of wisdom personified as a woman like we did last week, if you were here with us. And here again, she calls out. She calls to all people, all human beings. She calls on all not to stay in their foolishness and simplicity, but to learn and grow. She speaks words of truth and value. Verse 6, Listen, for I have worthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true, for my lips detest wickedness. All the words of my mouth are just, Not one of them is crooked or perverse. To the discerning, all of them are right. They are faultless to those who have knowledge. Choose my instruction instead of silver. Knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is more precious than rubies. And nothing you desire can compare with her. Wisdom is the most valuable thing there is. To those who can see things clearly, words of truth and justice are worth more than anything in this world. Why would that be? Because, she goes on to tell us, wisdom enables us to act well, to do what is right and effective. Verse 12, I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. 
To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have understanding and power. By me, kings reign and rulers make laws that are just. By me, princes govern and all nobles who rule on earth. Wisdom allows people to actually do things well. The powerful need her. This is how things work. More than this, wisdom, we're told, is the key to true success. Verse 17, I love those who love me. Those who seek me, find me. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice, bestowing wealth on those who love me and making their treasuries full. You want to be truly successful, wisdom asks us. You want to be truly prosperous, listen to wisdom. But hang on. I mean, who is this woman? By what right does wisdom make these extravagant claims? I mean, they are big claims. On what basis should we believe that wisdom is so valuable and useful? Well, the next verses, which are the most profound part of this chapter, they tell us wisdom can make these claims because she is the logic that runs the world. The universe itself was made through her in wisdom. Listen from verse 22 to the fascinating and beautiful heart of this chapter. Verse 22, The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was appointed from eternity, from the beginning, before the world began. When there were no oceans, I was given birth. When there were no springs abounding with water, his work... The, the poetry is working with an ancient cosmology here. This is, this is as good as the science got at this time, right? Um, you just got to kind of imagine our own version of it. Before, uh, the, before the gases that eventually congealed into bits of rock that form planets, before the forces, before the explosion, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills I was given birth, before he made the earth or its fields or any of the dust of the world, before that cosmological singularity out of which the universe burst into being. Wisdom was there before the foundation of the earth at the very beginning of God's creative work. From the very beginning, the point being, from the very beginning, the universe was organized purposefully and around the principles of wisdom. Wisdom is like the basic programming of the universe. Verse 27, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, as the rocks settled into planets and stars formed, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundary so the waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked the foundations of the earth. Then I was the craftsman at his side. As I said, these images are not meant to be scientific or kind of taken literally. They're poetic images, wonderful poetic images that are trying to capture a truth about the world. God's whole creative work, we are told, began with and was done in wisdom. 
Not one aspect of the universe was random or arbitrary. The universe is, if I can put it this way, morally ordered right down to its roots. And that means, most wonderfully, that the universe is full of joy. Have a look at verse 30. Then I was the craftsman at his side. I was filled with delight day after day. Rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his his whole world and delighting in mankind. The world God has made through wisdom is deeply, richly good. It is delightful. The words for delighting and rejoicing here have a, a wonderful sense of exuberance and joy. They mean dancing and laughter. It is this beautiful picture and it's a beautiful truth because what it is saying is that at bottom there is anything but blind, pitiless indifference. At bottom, in the basic programming, the universe is delightful. A cause for joyful celebration. The truest and deepest reality of the world is not neutral matter, but beauty and goodness, and laughter. Well, if that's the case, then wisdom is indeed the, most, the thing most worth aiming for in life. Proverbs chapter 8 concludes with an appeal that matches the first half of the chapter. Verse 22, now then, my sons, it's kind of like, okay, so then, that was a pretty good argument, don't you think? Listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not ignore it. Blessed is the man who who listens to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. But whoever fails to find me harms himself. All who hate me love death. Seeking to live well, that is, seeking to live prudently and justly, it actually makes sense. It's not just a noble but stupid thing to do. Because ultimately, this world is actually organized around wisdom. That's how it's programmed. Sometimes it can seem as if this is not true, as if it's actually more sensible to kind of give up on all that and just just try and get what you can. To get what you can out of life, out of the world, out of other people. Stuff all trying to do what's, what's right. That might make sense. Of course, if the universe was ultimately a meaningless and value-free place, like we're sometimes told it is, but it isn't. It, it really isn't. It is a world founded on and infused with wisdom. And so paying attention to the teaching of wisdom is the most sensible thing you can possibly do. Because when you are seeking to live according to wisdom, then you are seeking to live with the grain of the universe. Okay, that leaves us with lots of important questions. Um, How do you listen? How do you do that? How do you listen to wisdom? Where is wisdom to be found? What does wisdom actually involve? Because we know very well that it's very possible to be dumb. These are questions that Proverbs and the Bible are deeply interested in and which they answer first and foremost by saying that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. The rest of our series is about unpacking these questions uh, a little more. 
But for now, can we just pause to reflect on this central, basic affirmation of this chapter? The universe is meaningful. That's the great affirmation of Proverbs chapter 8. The world we live in has an order to it, a sense to it, because it is founded on wisdom. It is impossible to overestimate the importance of this truth. It's not, of course, the only truth we need to know about the world. The Bible has other things to say about the world. Uh, It's also clear that the order and logic of the universe has been distorted in many ways and obscured by sin. Something has gone wrong with the world so that we no longer live pure and simple in the pristine infancy of created order. Yet it remains true that this world was founded on wisdom. That is the character that it has. And that truth is profoundly important. It's important because it shows us the reasonableness of all kinds of work and human activity. This includes, firstly, the work of science. As we mentioned earlier, uh, science is driven by the conviction that the world does in fact make sense. That it has laws and a logic that is in principle discoverable. Without that conviction, science could never have got off the ground. But why is that the case? Especially if it is all just a big accident. What basis do we have for that confidence? Well, here we have a reason. Because God made this world in wisdom. This is why, in fact, many Christians are scientists and find no trouble being so, despite what we are told. It's an easy thing to be a Christian scientist because when you're a Christian, you actually expect creation to make sense. Yet that truth must, the truth here that we see here that the world was founded on wisdom, it must also lead us to see that the rationality of the universe goes beyond the material. The reigning scientific view of the world that only material truths and physical laws are real and that things like goodness and beauty and justice are no more than human inventions, that is false. It's false. It's not true. Because the universe is orderly at a much deeper level than mere physics. The world is founded on wisdom. It is shot through with a logic that is moral and spiritual as much as it is physical. And so goodness and consciousness and justice are not accidental illusions, byproducts of a merely material rationality. They are inherent to the nature of the world. They are as real as the laws of physics. And this shows us the value and the point of a much wider range of human work than just science. Not just science, but all kinds of work are made possible by this view of things. For the the order by which God made the universe extends to far more than the physical, you see. And so... Almost all of us, in one way or another, are involved in seeking to discover and to enjoy the shape and the logic of the world God has made. The mechanic enjoying making things work just right. The architect trying to nut out the most pleasing and efficient design. 
the mother or father at home watching a baby grow, the teacher seeking to excel at educating her students, the shopkeeper who delights in his produce and his honest books, the accountant made happy by the harmony of a spreadsheet. I, had, I put that in because I had a conversation with an accountant yesterday and the way she spoke about uh, spreadsheets kind of shocked me. Uh, it was a way I normally speak about, you know, like a beautiful artwork or... Anyway, thank you, Amanda. The steel fabricator who pauses to enjoy the quality of the beams they have produced to build a house. You know, all of these activities are, in a way, ways of joining in in wisdom's primal delight in the works of God. This understanding of the world invites us to see our activities, our work, all sorts of aspects of our lives as a participation in the order and the beauty with which God created the world. It's hard to see the world as a big cosmic accident and to see human life as merely a stroke of luck. It's hard to feel that there is not truly any good or evil and that our lives do not matter in any deep sense. It's hard to stand back from the joy we feel when a baby is born or we do good work or a friend has a success and feel that it doesn't mean anything. It's hard because it's wrong. Because we are right to feel that life is beautiful in its essence, even if it's so often not how it should be. We're right to feel that we are made for a purpose and that our lives do matter and that there genuinely are better and worse ways of treating people and of living. These intuitions are right. They're not wishful thinking and they are right because the world and we were made in wisdom. Now that would be a suitably climactic place to finish the sermon. But we won't. Uh, Because we must say something else. We must say something else because we who have heard about Jesus have been privileged to hear the last deepest truth upon which all of what we have said hangs and which it is our great privilege to understand, which is this. All of what we have said is true only because of Jesus Christ. Turn with me as we finish to our New Testament reading from Colossians chapter 1, or just listen as I read it. But if you want to turn, it's on page... See, I'm turning, so you can do it too. 1,165. Paul is speaking about Jesus. And in verse 15 he says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And then he says something you can only say about God, but he's saying it about Jesus. For by him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. This passage, as I'm sure you notice, 
parallels Proverbs chapter 8 in remarkable ways and we could spend much more time unpacking what it means. But for now, let's just say this. Jesus Christ is the reason for the order in the universe. The wisdom with which this world was founded is the imprint of his presence. Wow. He is what the logic of the universe is ultimately about. He is what makes the universe and human life make sense. The universe is coherent and reasonable and life is good and beautiful in its essence and delightful because this world was made through and for Jesus Christ. And more even than this, he is the reason this world is not lost. Verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning of the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. The beauty and order and goodness of the world, you see, depends not just on Jesus, but on the cross. On Jesus' death for sin to reconcile us to God. This is the ultimate source of the peace and beauty that we seek and long for and sometimes catch a glimpse of. We live in a Christ-encoded universe. And that means a universe encoded with the cross. Okay, and now we've gone too far and said far too much for one night. Uh, and we'll have to keep thinking about these things over the coming weeks. I hope you'll stay with us. For now, though, may I finish with just one conclusion this leads to. Christian faith makes sense. If the world is ultimately organized by a wisdom that is the imprint of Jesus Christ, then Christian faith is the most sensible thing in the world. To believe in Jesus is not a crazy, foolish thing, out of step with what reason teaches us. It is, in fact, the most reasonable thing a human being can do. For the truth is that all human life, all work, all science finds its true goal in Jesus Christ. And so can I invite you this evening to give thanks. To give thanks for this life we've been allowed to share in, which is at its deepest and truest something good and beautiful, something delightful. And can I invite you to see that this is the case because... It is a world made through and for Jesus Christ who died to save us and restore this life to us. Life, life lived in faith in him is life with the grain of the universe. Wow. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the wisdom in which you founded this world. Thank you for life that is not mere material nothing, not indifference, but goodness and beauty. Thank you for a world 
and a life that is, at their deepest roots, delightful. And thank you all the more for the reason that this is true and the reason that this will be true despite all of sin. For your Son, Jesus Christ, our Saviour, through whom and for whom this world was made, and in whom we trust for our hope. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church Podcast. For more audio content and information about our church, please visit neac.com.au.